This is Truth and Love Ministries, where we bring people home to God by learning His truth and experiencing His unending love. In the quest to know God's will for your life, you might be surprised to know there's not much to figure out. In fact, God made His will fairly simple. He just wants you, an actual, deep, daily relationship with you. You are who Jesus went to the cross and died for after all. If you'll give Jesus your yes by choosing to submit to the Holy Spirit's guidance, He will live out His will through you. This simple truth is what we'll dive into during this week's message. We pray this message refreshes you and speaks encouragement to whatever is going on in your life right now. Now, let's take a listen to the message. We are going to continue talking about the will of God. not going to go over what we've been over in the past. Um, but I want to kind of start this off just a little bit, a little bit different. You know, people have a tendency to not like to hear folks talk about death. You know, we don't, we don't really like that conversation because there's so much uncertainty around it. There's so much that we don't know about it. Um, a lot of us don't even know how we're going to leave. We wonder how we're going to leave here, what it's like to leave here. We just got all these questions in our mind. So just to, pre, just to forewarn you that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this off and I'm going to talk about death, but I want to show you the goodness about death. I want, you to show, I want you to see the good things about death. Not that I'm going to talk about death. I'm still going to talk about the will of God, and I want to talk about knowing Christ. But I want to show you that when, when the children of Israel were in Egyptian bondage right before God got ready to free them, there were nine plagues that they dealt with that they went through. And the final plague was death. And God told the children of Israel, he said, now, if he said, now, tonight, the death angel is going to pass through. He's coming through. And he said that if you take the blood of a lamb and you put it on the doorpost and on the lentils, he said the death angel will pass over you. And it was not just for the children of Israel. It was for those that lived in Egypt. Anybody that would obey what he said, death would pass over. So what I want you to see is in everything that I'm getting ready to say is that death is all around. It's everywhere. And so they started, their exodus came from death. So when when, 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 when the death angel passed through, that next morning when they woke up, everybody that didn't do it, they had a child, whatever that firstborn was, was dead. Firstborn calf, cow, chicken, no matter what it was, it was dead the next morning. And when Pharaoh saw that, Pharaoh said, get your people and get out of my country. Get out of here. Because his son was dead. His firstborn son was dead. And so what I want you to see, their exodus came out of what? Came out of death. Guess what? Not only did it come out, of his, the exodus come out of death. I want you to understand that death was behind them. Because when Pharaoh, when, when, when Pharaoh let them go, God hardened their heart and Pharaoh started to follow them. So now they have death behind them. Okay, now here's, here's, we came out of death, death is behind me, and then we get to the Red Sea. 
Well, we, we get to the Red Sea and mountains on the left, mountains on the right, and the Red Sea is in front of me and death is on my tail. So I'm standing right here facing death because if you take three million people and put them in that water, death is certain. But guess what God did? God told Moses, he said, raise up, a rod, raise up your rod. And he said, now, when you raise your rod up, the Bible says the water came up on both sides. And the Bible said the children of Israel went through on dry land. In other words, there was a road under the water that God had already built. And so he was, they came through death on dry land. But guess what? When death that was behind me tried to go through the death that I went through, the Bible said they were consumed. Now, as soon as I get from death where I came from, death behind me, death in the Red Sea, now I'm faced with the desert with three million people. I'm facing death again because nothing grows and there's hardly any water in the, in the desert. So here we go again. Now I'm facing death because I'm facing the desert. If you take three million people and put them in front of Walmart, they're facing death. Walmart ain't got enough groceries for three million people. Not at one time. Not in one place. So here they go in the desert and they're facing death. But when they got in the desert and they started to complain about water, God told Moses to strike a rock and water flowed from the rock. I'm talking crystal clear spring water better than you can get in Sam's bottles. Came out of the rock. And when they, when they, when they said, we're hungry, God said, now the book of Psalms said that they ate angels' bread. Now can you imagine? Here the angels are up in heaven and they, they got the stoves working. And they cooking this bread and they just tossing it out. And the children of Israel every day would go out and get a portion and then they had bread to eat. Okay, so now they had bread, but then they were not satisfied. They, they're not satisfied being full. They said, well, we want meat. When we lived in Pharaoh's house, we had meat to eat. We want meat to eat. And God was angry with them. He was dissatisfied with them. And so what happened was... God caused quail to come into the camp and they flew so many and so low, God said, you're going to eat enough that it's going to come out of your nose. I'm going to give you so much of it that it's coming out of your nostrils. So the quails came into the camp and they just walk out there and, you know, just knock them out, just knock them down. They had so much meat to eat, the Bible said they were sick of meat. But what I'm trying to get you to see, we're in the desert and we're facing death but when they did what God said, death had no power over God's people. Okay? So now, here we go. We make it through, we make it through the desert in death, and now here we are at the promised land. And here's, 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 here's Moses said, send 12 spies over into the promised land to spy out the land. So when they go into the land... And they start to look. They say, man, the, the land is flowing. It's a rich land. It's a good land. It's flowing with milk and honey. And they brought back grapes. Can you imagine this? Yeah. 
grapes so big, two men had to carry them. I'd like to have one of them. I mean, can you imagine? But then the, the, the rest of them came back and said, but there's giants in the land. So here we are going to the promised land and there's death. If we go in there, there's certain death. I mean, there is sudden death. We're going to face these giants, man. It's sudden death. They said, here are the Amalekites, the, the, the Hittites, the, the Jebusites, and all the kites and the ites that you can think of were there. Yeah. They were in there. Yeah. And so here they are facing death. But if you read the story, guess what? Joshua and a new generation went into the promised land and took it. Yes, they did. So... Guess what? There were all of those people that were in that generation that came out of Egypt died in the wilderness. Only Joshua and those that were born in the wilderness went into the promised land. Here's my point to you. Who died in Egypt when the death angel came through? Only those that disobeyed. Who died when they went through the Red Sea? Only those that didn't believe and trust God. Who died in the desert? Only those that didn't believe that God was going to take them through. Moses and a new generation. And I'm saying this because I want you to see that death is all around us. But God, when we obey him, it has no power. It has no power. It has no strength. It has, has no control over us. It can do nothing to us. So, you, you fixed that up so pretty, Marcus. Thank you so much. I had it ugly. Anyway, today, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, I want to talk about Paul. He said, now, and Marcus was hidden on this about knowing him when he was doing his worship and stuff. He said, that I may know him. He said, he was saying, it's just so important that we know him. And even one of the songs, I want to know you. I want to know you. Really know you. He said, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. How many folks want to know him? Really know him? Here we go. Here we go. That I may know him. Okay, that I may be fully acquainted with his nature, his character, his work, and the salvation which he has worked out for me. Yeah. I want to know him. I want to know him. It, it should be, I got it is, but it should be one of the highest objectives of desire in the mind of a Christian to know Christ. That should be our greatest desire, is to know him. And if we're ever going to know Christ, there are some things that's got to be moved out of the way. Here we go with the death. We're going to talk about death. There are some things that's got to die. There are some things that has to go. Okay, so listen at this, folks. I don't want to know him for my salvation. That's what we are. I don't want to know him so that my life will be better. That's what we do. I don't want to know him so that my body can be healed or my finances can be blessed. That's the Christian life. That's who we are. That's what we do. That's how we want to know him. 
But I want to know him for his glory. I want to know him not so that I look good, but I want to know him so that he looks good. Okay, so, and then he says, and the power of his resurrection. Let me bag up for just a second. A lot of folks say I know him. A lot of folks think that they know him. But this is what God told me years ago. He said, he said a lot of folks think they know George, George Washington. Who is George Washington? He's first president, right? He went across Delaware. He did all these things. But that is not knowing George Washington, I'm telling you. That's knowing about George Washington. If you want to know George Washington, you've got to wake up with him. You've got to sleep with him. You've got to eat with him. You've got to go across the Delaware with him. If you don't do that, you don't know him. You know about him. You ask the average person, do you know Isaac? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He used to work at Bridge, worked at the bakery for a while, for a while cut grass all the time, live over there in front of the cemetery. No, you don't know me. You know about me. All, this, all that is information that you can Google. And you can't Google nothing and know me. So, in the power of his resurrection. Listen, folks, there's no resurrection without a death. There's no resurrection without a death. And so Paul is implying that death has to, it has to take place in order to experience this power. Power of his resurrection. Listen, folks, the power of his resurrection is for now. It's for now. The resurrection power is for now. Because the Bible says what? We were dead in our trespasses and sins. So every one of us needed to be resurrected. Amen. Every one of us. Okay? And some of us still got issues where we need some resurrection power on the inside of us. Okay? So he said now, and it was natural death for Christ, but death to the flesh and his power over us. That's the death that we got to deal with. That's the death that we have to face. So, how does this death take place? It comes to us in the form of what? That word that don't nobody really want to say, don't nobody want to go through, don't nobody want to deal with. Everybody wants the house on the hill with the period of fence around it, with the great children, with the dog that do just what you say. He, he poop in the neighbor's yard and not in yours. You know what I'm saying? He don't never tell up nothing. He's a great dog. You know, we got these great children. They all went to college. They went to school. They got good jobs. They live in a good life. I got a good banking account, man. Everything is flowing fine. I'm driving some of the best of cars. I'm living. I like living this kind of life. I'm living the best of life. That's what we want. Yeah, I'm living it. I'm living the best of life. I can speak to mountains and they can't be moved. I can tell my dreams and they will come true. That ain't nothing but a lie. I can tell my troubles to go away. I need to be with you. I want to see it. Beautiful, nice song. We, we just get caught up in the beat, you know, where it sounds good. But the truth of the matter... When you get through singing, when you get through bouncing, when you get through dancing, them troubles still standing there waiting on you. That mountain's still looking at you. You're still dreaming. Anyway, suffering is what the church don't like to talk about. Suffering is what church folks don't want to hear about. But suffering is what Paul talked about. He said, and the fellowship of his suffering. Fellowship. We think a meal in, in fellowship. We think we're going to sit down and eat when we talk about fellowship. But Paul is talking about fellowship in, in suffering. I want to be with him in his suffering. Listen to what he's saying. That I may participate in the same kind of suffering that he endured. That is, that I may be I, in all things identified with him. 
Paul wanted to be just like Jesus. Just like Jesus. See, many folk willing to reign with Christ, but they're not willing to suffer with him. Many want to wear the crown of glory like him, but nobody wants the crown of thorns. Nobody wants the crown of thorns. Many are willing to put on the robes of splendor that will be worn in heaven. We all talk about them. I heard Reverend Drake talk about him. If you don't find me in the shoe department, he's come on up by the robe department. I'll be getting my long white robe. Yeah. <laughs> but don't nobody want to talk about that scarlet robe. Don't nobody want to talk about that robe that Jesus wore. That robe where he was in contempt and folk were mocking him. We don't want to wear that robe. We want that pretty shiny robe that, they, that we saw all the saints when they showed up to John in heaven. We want the robe of righteousness. We want the white long robe. But we don't want this robe right here. Well, let me tell you something. If you're going to get the robe that we're talking about in heaven, you're going to have to wear this one too. If you want the crown that Jesus wore, then you got to wear the one he wore while he was here on the earth. You're going to have to put the crown of thorns on. They would desire to share the glories and triumphs of redemption, but not its poverty. Contempt and persecution. They don't want it. We don't want it. As Christians, we do not want it. You don't have to say amen. I don't care. I know you don't want it. The idea is, is that it is an honor to suffer as Christ suffered. It should be an honor. And the true Christian will esteem it a privilege to be made just like him, not just in glory, but also in trouble and in trial, in difficulty. We are, we, we are seeking merely the honors of heaven. Or should we esteem it a privilege to be reproached and reviled as Christ was, to have our names cast out as his was? How many folks are willing for that? None of us. None of us. To be made an object of sport and derision as he was. To be held up to the contempt of the world as he was. I know we don't like it. Because as soon as somebody says something about us, somebody says something to us, we're ready to go back at them. We're ready to defend ourselves and defend our rights. It is evidence that we love him if we do this. If not so, we are merely seeking a crown of glory. If you're not willing to suffer with it, you just want, you just want glory. Now, being made conformable to his death. You know, Romans 12 said, don't be conformed, don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. But he said, now I want you to conform to his death. We must first consent to the death that God has for us. We got to say, I'm willing to die. Everything fights dying. Everything. You see it in nature. You know, that, when that lion attacks, that, that thing don't just say, oh, oh go ahead, Mr. Lion. I, I've been waiting on you to eat me. No. Even the gazelle runs when he sees death on his tail. I got a brother in, I ain't going to say tell you where he is, but anyway, I got a brother that every time I call him and I talk to him, he's talking about Jesus Christ. You know, we don't know how long we're going to live. We don't know when we're going to die. 
so and so forth, but if I die, I'm gonna be with Jesus, so and so forth, you know. And I'm and, and and you know, the other day, other week I called him and he told me, he said, he said, bro, I was out on the golf course and I and I had shortness of breath. And he said, I went to the gym and I realized I had shortness of breath. So I went to the doctor. Wait, 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 wait. Go on, be with Jesus. What you go to the doctor for? I mean, he's been telling me about Jesus Christ. He can't wait to see him. I mean, don't go to the doctor. Why did he go to the doctor? Because he like everybody else. He's fighting death. He's fighting death. We want to go. Yeah, we want to see him. Man, I'd love to see Jesus, but, you know, I ain't ready to go through that channel that I need to go through to get that where he is. You know what I'm saying? Just, you know, yeah. So we see it everywhere. We see death. We see it. We see it all over the place. John 10, 17, 18 says this. He says, therefore does my father love me because I do what? I lay down my life that I may what? That I may take it again. Look what he says now. He said, no man take my life from me. I lay it down on myself. So let me ask you the question. Who is willing to lay down their lives? If you're not, you're not willing to have his resurrection life in you. Who is willing to say, Lord, I'm giving. Let me, let me bag up for just one second. Let me give y'all a little relief. Let me give you a little relief. Okay. When, you know, people, people are sometimes afraid. I, I was one of them. To pray one of those prayers. You know, when, when, when that song I played, played the other week. Lord, I, I just want you. That man said, take everything. He said, take everything. I just want you. Take everything. Can you imagine if God were to just say, okay. And then one day he's homeless. His banking account go down the tube. All his family kick the bucket. His job, fire him. Well, not his job. All his albums that he's selling, don't nobody buy another. Let me tell you something. This is what God told me. This is what God showed me this week. He said, he said, he said there's no problem with you having stuff. The problem is you stuff having you. He said, he said, that's the problem. The problem is, I don't mind you, because he said, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. He said, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He said, he wants us to have this stuff and enjoy. It's his will for us to prosper and succeed and be in hell. It's his will for all that, but he don't want it to have us. So this is what I prayed. This is what I prayed. I didn't say, shake me, make me, break me, mold me, take me, do all this other stuff that we don't really mean for you to do. I said, God, detach me from the things in my soul. See, there are some things that my heart desire. There are some things that my imagination dreams about. There are some things that makes my heart happy. There are some things that I said in my conscience that it's okay. There are some things that my will will go to any extreme for me to get. So I'm saying, God, change that. Take this stuff, where the attachments of soul, where I can have it, but it don't matter. 
I want to come to the place where I can say, Lord, I, I, I'm willing to lay down my life. I believe this. I believe that that scripture apply to us. If you lay down your life for Jesus, you can take it up again. He's going to resurrect you. John, again, he said, I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. Jesus said, no man takes my life from me. Nobody. He said, I am willingly giving it. And that's what we should say. I'm willing to give my life. Listen, folks, there's no resurrection without death. So that Paul is implying that we have to have some form of death in order for us to experience this power that he's talking about. Fellowship of his suffering. Power of his resurrection. Being conform made conformable to his death. Okay, so death is sometimes cruel, especially when it is caused because of someone else. It's cruel. I mean, if I were to walk in my house and somebody shoot me, that's, that's death by somebody else. I'm not talking about that. If I die from a drunk driver coming down the road, that's death by somebody else. But I'm not talking about that. Someone else's sin will contribute to your death. God will use others to contribute to your death. What do I mean by that? People will curse you. They will accuse you. They will lie on you. They'll provoke you. They'll tempt you. They'll turn on you. You know why? So God can expose the areas in your life where you still alive. Where you still say, I don't know who they think they're talking to. I don't have to take that. Do it again. I'll show you something. See, where we need to be willing to lay down our lives as he did. See, I'm going to tell you something. You want to you see, see peace in marriage? See, that's why Jesus said these words. He said, now, he said, if any man will come after me, let him do what? Deny himself and then do what? Take up his cross. And then he said what? Okay, so let's bag it up. If I don't deny myself, you can forget the cross. Because I'm thinking too much about self for me to put myself on a cross. And you can forget about following him because you ain't thinking about nobody but you. What am I going to follow him for? I want him to follow me. And then Paul said in Galatians 2.20, he said, I am crucified with Christ. In other words, he said, now some death, some dying has to take place. Nevertheless, man, guess what? I'm still alive. But yet not me, but it is Christ that's living in me. Let me tell you something. I read this this morning. It said, God don't want all your time. He's not asking for all your attention. He's just asking for all of you. See, we think that when we give our lives to God, we got to give him all our time. We got to give him all our attention. No, he wants all of you. Folks can give him time. Folks can give him their attention, but not give him them. Give up your life. We must be willing to believe the word about dead to sin and operate in faith, fighting the power of sin that remain in my flesh. We can act like it don't exist, but it's still there. 
There are some things that's living on the inside of me. Paul said, the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I, choose, I should do, I, I find myself not doing because there's something that's living in me. He says, sin living in my flesh. And let me tell you something, folks. You're going to deal with it the rest of your life, so you might as well put your war clothes on. Like Charles Jenkins said, you might as well put your war clothes on. This means war. He said, you can't take this land lying down. You, this means war. We'll see the manifestation of this death in my flesh. What I'm trying to get you to see is in order for God to have more of you, some of you got to die. He must, he must, you must decrease in order for him to increase. There are some areas in your life. Let me tell you something. Every area in your life that you try to hold on to, that you try to conceal, you're holding on to death. That's what it is. It's death. Many people have never experienced, let me change that. Many Christian people have never experienced the power of the resurrected life because they have shied away from the fellowship of his suffering and of the crucified life with Christ. We don't want to suffer. We don't want to go through nothing. We want to go to work, man, and everything works fine, and everybody likes us. And everybody just loves us. Me and the boss, we, man, we just get along great. I just love my boss. I heard people say that and I was like, who do you work for? I want to meet this guy. I need to tell him some secrets because he's letting you get away with some stuff, obviously, because he likes you. They love you. We don't want to deal with it. I want to hang on to the flesh. How many of y'all can imagine that picture of you hanging on the cross? If you can't see it, you don't want it. If you look at Jesus and you feel so sorry for him, I know you're not going up there. You're going to be like Peter. When Peter realized that they get ready to kill Jesus, he said, man, I'm sure that you're one of this man's disciples. Peter said, I don't know him. And then Peter realized it's getting serious. They're getting ready to kill him. Going to be pretty soon. Another lady came up to him and said, Peter, your, Pete, your speech betray you. You talk like Jesus. Yeah. Peter said, bah. he used some fold out of words and said, no, I don't. Like, you ain't never heard Jesus say that. <laughs> Peter saw that cross and Peter said, mm-mm, mm-mm, I I know Jesus, I said three days ago, I would die with you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm willing to die with you. And all of us are willing to die with him until it comes to the place where they got the pistol to your head and you, are you, you still mean that? No, I never knew Jesus. <laughs> Jesus who? You talking about that Mexican Leo back there? You talking about Jesus? Yeah, I never knew that Jesus he's talking about. He, you say he died on a cross? Really? Okay. Now, but you will never know the life of the resurrected Christ until you experience the fellowship of his suffering. There's no point in you talking about you want the life of Jesus living in you. There's no point in you talking about Jesus live through me until you are willing to go through the suffering that's necessary to get rid of the parts of you that's hindering all of him from flowing through you. You got to be willing. And you got to lay your life down freely. You got to say, God, I'm here. 
take me. I'm going to tell you something. When I thought about all this death and I, I was going through all this in my head, I'm going to tell you what I said. I believe in being honest. I said, God, I'm scared of that. I said, help me to believe in your resurrection power. Help me to believe in your resurrection power. I said, all this death I see, all this death you're talking about, I ain't ready to deal with it. Help me. Help me. I want it, but I don't know if I'm ready to go through what I got to go through to get it. Help me. Help me. You might want to be honest. You can say them pretty words and tell God, shake me, make me, take me, bowl me, do all this stuff and all this stuff, and, and don't mean it. My word, don't tell. God, I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. Help me. The desert was between the people and the promised land. Guess what? We got to die to get to heaven. And listen, folks. The fellowship of his suffering is between us and the resurrected life here on earth. There's death between us. Death is between you and life. Death, I showed y'all, death brought them out of Egypt. Death followed them out of Egypt. Death was in front of them. Death was at the Red Sea. Death was in the desert. Death was over in the promised land. But those that believe and trust God, death never touched them. And we can face it, folks. We can do this. We can let God live through us. We can let God take those attitudes and habits and, and break them and, and, and get free from them. We can do it. I'm like, I'm like Joshua. I'm not going to tell you about the giants, how impossible it is. I'm going to tell you about the God. Listen to this. God then sent his son through suffering so that you would not have to. It is a pattern to follow if you're going to die with Christ and have his life living in you and through you here on this earth. See, we think that Jesus went through humbling himself, becoming obedient, becoming a servant, humbling himself under the death, even the death of a cross. We think that's for Jesus. No, he, that's the pattern. It's the pattern for you. It's the pattern for me. Jesus said it. He said, he said, deny yourself, get your cross, and follow me. He's saying the pattern that I went through, you need to go through it too. You got to humble yourself. You got to become obedient to death if it takes it. And it's going to take some. Something has to die on the inside of us if we're going to find the will of God. Romans 8.13 says this. Listen at this now. Hear this good now. For if you live after the flesh, you're going to do what? That's three of y'all. What's going to happen? That's five. You're going to do what? You're going to die. But he said, but if ye through the Spirit do Mortify. Now the word mortify comes from the word where we use mortician. So we know he's talking about if we through the spirit kill the deeds of the body, we're going to live. He's saying now you got to get rid of them attitudes. You got to get rid of some of those habits. You got to get some, rid of some of those ways. You, if, if God is going to live in you, he said you got to, something has to die. The deeds of the body has to die. Colossians chapter 3 verse 5 says this. Here that, that word is again. Mortify. In other words, call Harris in. There's going to be some death. Therefore your members which are up on the earth 
Fornication, he telling us some things that need to be killed. Uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. He said, he think that some of these things got to die. Listen at this, folks. God never intended for us to be led from the outside, but from the inside out. And this is what I mean. We allow circumstances to dictate how we feel, think, and respond to people in God. We'll look at a circumstance, and it'll determine how we feel. We'll give up because of what we see. You'll go in the house and look at a bill, and you ain't got no money. You'll crawl up under the couch crying, dictated from the outside. Instead of from the inside, God want to get rid of all this stuff. We must begin to take back control with small victories, waging small battles, overcoming little things that control us. Let me tell you what, let me tell you what I started doing. Let me tell you what I started doing. Very simple, very easy. At night, you know, you're sitting around the house, you're watching TV. And let me tell you something. Most of the food we eat has no nutritional value. None. It's produced from fertilizer. The chickens are raised from steroids, and so are the cows and everything else. And the truth of the matter is, when you eat, you get through eating, and you're full, and you, and you think you're full. You burnt about three times, and the next thing you know, you say, man, I got, I'm, I'm, I'm starving. <laughs> In other words, what happens is, your body is crying for nutrition, and you're thinking it's crying for another Big Mac. And this is how you got to do This is what you got to do. This is what you got to say. You got to say, okay now, okay now, you done had three hamburgers now, that's enough. You're not getting another one. <laughs> These are small victories, small battles that we got to fight. Now I'm going to give you some water and you're going to go to bed and shut up. That's what I've been telling myself. Don't ask me for nothing else tonight. Don't you see what's happening to us? We gotta, we gotta take some small battles. Those times when you wanna say something back, shut up. I know it's hard. I know, I know you, I know you, you just, oh God, your tongue bleeding because you got, got your teeth down in it, trying to keep from talking back. These are small battles that we can start to take. And then as we start to win them, God will take us to bigger things. See, David had to defeat a bear, and he had to defeat a lion before he faced Goliath. You got to be able to tell, you, tell yourself you can't get another cookie now. You don't eat all of them except five. Leave them five for tomorrow. You don't eat, you don't eat the whole pack, Tyrone. Don't get no more cookies. <laughs> <laughs> there will be times when it will be a struggle to maintain this life. In these moments, you will have to surrender again to his will. Matthew 26, 39, and 42. Jesus went a little further. Jesus showed us what he went through. He went a little further, threw his face down on the ground and prayed, My Father, if it's possible, take this cup of suffering from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. We're going to have to say that, folks. We're going to have to say, God, 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 I want one more, but I, not what I want. I want to go in there and say something back. Not what I want. Not what I want, but what, but what you want. And then he did it again. Look what he said again. 
Once more, Jesus went away and prayed, my father, if this cup of suffering cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. God, if there's no other way, if there's no other way, let your will be done. Let me say this in the middle of all this death and dying. God loves you. God loves you. And I'm going to tell you something. If you, if, you, if you know he loves you, then you know he got the best, your best interest at heart. Whatever he takes you through, he's going to bring you through. He got resurrection power to bring you up from the dead if he lets you go to the dead. And when I say dead, I'm not talking about physical death. I'm talking about the stuff in you dying. I'm telling you, this is stuff. This is hard stuff. I've been talking back all my life, and now I need to be quiet. I got to get to the place where God said, I got to believe. He said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. You don't have to go get them. Let me take care of them. I got a better way than yours. The times will come when you will want to retaliate. That's when you got to trust God. Because if you don't, if you do, you present, you prevent self from coming to life again. And self will constantly try to resurrect itself. You're going to be constantly pushed to do what you've always done. To defend yourself, to stand up for yourself, to fight for yourself. Always do it. It's always going to keep coming. So if I have truly given my life to God, then why do I constantly try to defend it? Every one of us said, I gave my, I'm, uh, Jesus, take my life. Okay, so if you gave it to him, let him fight for it. Let him defend you. Why do I always fight for my rights? Jesus did not fight for his rights. He told him, he said, I could call 72,000 angels to come down here right now and take me off the cross. But he said, I choose not to. I'm staying. He said, I'm committing myself to him that judges right. There it is. First Peter 2.23. When he was insulted, what did he do? Oh, God. When he was insulted, he what? He did not answer back with an insult. When he suffered, he what? He didn't threaten. But he did what? He placed his hopes in God, the righteous judge. He said, I don't have to say nothing back. I don't have to go word for word. I don't have to, like, 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 like I, 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 I'm trying to stop saying old folks since I done got old. Uh, the, 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 the previous generation of people uh, <laughs> used to say, don't go rail for rail. I don't know what rail for rail means, but I know it means every time you say something, I say something. The Bible says a fool, even when he keeps silent, is considered wise. The Bible says a soft answer turneth, turneth away wrath. If somebody's acting a fool, just turn around and says, I'm sorry if I offended you. Is it, can I get you some water? <laughs> Look like, it looks like you're on fire. Can I get you a cup of water? <laughs> Can I help douse those flames? It looks like you're burning up. Flesh is a mindset that manifests itself in the body. When the Bible talks about flesh, it's not talking about this. It's talking about what happened, what came upon us when Adam sinned in the garden. 
the mindset. Galatians 5, 19 through 21 says, what human nature does is quite plain. It shows itself in immoral, filthy, filthy, and indecent actions in worship of idols and witchcraft. Do y'all know what witchcraft is? Don't think about the woman that's, you know, they show the woman stirring in a pot and saying these little chants and all that kind of stuff. That is part of witchcraft. But witchcraft for us is when we try to intimidate, dominate, manipulate, or change somebody's action in any other way other than praying and asking God to help them see it. Like my wife would say, she want me to do something. So I said, I ain't going to do it. Well, I ain't cooking today. She just put on her witch's robe. Yeah. Don't touch me. She just got on the broom. Getting ready to fly. It's the truth. It's what it is. Worship of, worship of idols is not somebody sitting around a stump or worshiping a cow. That can be you. You could be the idol. You worship yourself more than you do God. That's why he said you've got to get rid of yourself. Galatians 5, 19 again, he said, but people become enemies and they fight. Anybody sound like anybody you know? I'm not talking about your neighbor. Look now, they become jealous, angry, ambitious, and this is the part that's good. They separate into parties and groups. Not talking about Democrats and Republicans. They're talking about Christians and Christians. They separate into groups. They separate, they, they divide. We don't like them over there. The Harrises sit on this side and the Jones sit on this side and they don't like each other in church. Yeah. And he said, now, they're envious, they get drunk, they have orgies, and they do other things like these. And he said, I warn you now, as I have before, those who do these things will not possess the kingdom of God. In other words, they have to die. We got to get rid of them. This is good. This is good. This is good right here now. Now, all of us crave liberty and joy that can be found in relationship with Jesus Christ, hiding behind that desire, though we may harbor a taste for our old lives. Don't act like when you ain't by yourself, you don't think about what I used to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When that, cert that certain song come on, you know, and your foot start moving, you start feeling what you used to feel. Yeah, whoo, that's my jam right there, baby. Whoo, come on now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Let's get to the good part. Let's get to the good part. We long for Christ's forgiveness, but we carry a grudge against one another. Oh, my. We pray for the blessings of prosperity, but we seize with jealousy when he blesses our neighbor. Look at them, they think they something got that little new car. Yeah. And then when they, when they get out of, whoo, that's so pretty, God, bless you, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that's nice. 
I hope it blow up. Yeah. Yeah. Man, we walking hard today. I'm hitting, I'm hitting home today. I, I don't, I'm already got around to third base. Let's take it on home. Let's take it on home. We relish the gift of grace, but we judge others instead of extending the same generosity. We relish the gift of grace. We want God to be gracious to us and merciful to us, but we don't do that with other people. And we combine two things that do not mix. We, we ask for our daily bread with our deadly bread. And let me say this to you before we get to it. Both of them kills. The daily bread and the deadly bread, both of them kills. Okay, so here we go. We must choose between the daily bread of heaven that comes from God or the deadly bread of this world. Our daily bread says that God is more than enough. But our deadly bread, oh, let me move on. God has generously provided us with his daily bread through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit from the pages of the word that springs the, that the, his word springs the message of salvation, freedom, hope, and redemption. And see, what I'm trying to get you to see is that daily bread comes out of the word. It comes out of the word. And remember that the daily bread is a sword. Ephesians says it is the sword of the spirit, okay? So now think about the daily bread being a sword, okay? Now, we must repent and cut away those cravings for our old lives, deadly bread, and the certain death to which they lead. Those things that we just saw in Galatians, those actions, those attitudes, those attributes, they certainly lead to death. We must embrace the daily bread given by a loving father who satisfies our longing, our every longing with good gifts. He knows what we need. He wants to give them. Listen now, daily bread sustains us through today to give us what we need, when we need it. No more, no less, and right on time. Right on time. See, we want, we want a freezer full of food. God said, trust me, wake up in the morning and I'll feed you. Yeah. We want to be sure for about two months. When we look at what's going on, we want to go buy up everything so that we can eat, make sure we got something to eat, but we don't want to trust God for that. That's a problem, folks. And day after day, he provided that we could count on him to lead us safely. How do we navigate the low valley of the shadow of death? With daily bread. With daily bread. This daily bread satisfies the hunger of our souls. Well, I was telling you about how the soul imagines. It quenches the thirst of our hearts, how the heart gets happy with certain things. It heals the broken places in our lives. It brings strength to the weary and weak. It, it, it fills the frightened with courage and confidence. Weren't you scared a little bit this week, Marcus? Daily bread brought you through it. Daily bread. And we can count on him to feed us exactly what we need for today. He's not going to give you those honey buns and cinnamon rolls and donuts and stuff. He's going to put some greens in front of you. He's going to lay some grits and eggs in front of you in the morning time. 
And he's he not going to give you that cereal with all that sugar in it that gets you hyped up for just a moment. He's going to give you something to sustain you. Daily bread, listen now, daily bread kills the effects of our deadly bread in our lives. Deadly bread seeks to kill the effects of our daily bread. In other words, the Bible says there's a war going on inside of me. Deadly bread is trying to make me conform to the world. The daily bread is trying to kill that, and the deadly bread is trying to kill me trying to live for Jesus. The death that the daily bread causes produces the life of Jesus. Now, let's end by understanding the meaning of death. Death means what? Separation. So when you go to the funeral home and that body is laying in that casket, that, that person's soul and spirit has separated from their body. That's all it means. That's all it means. And it also means a loss of power, control, and influence. A loss of power, control, and influence. So in other words, if I walk up, you know how, you know how folks do when they go to the funeral home, they, go, they look at the body and they say, oh, he looks so good. Hmm, Pastor Noah looked like he sleep. Yeah, he looked look just like he in the bed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sister Nunn, show fixed him up nice, didn't she? <laughs> Harris did a good job. Mm. And then, you know, somebody else walk up to him and say, man, I'm so glad that low-down, dirty devil is dead, man. I'm so glad he gone on what to do. <laughs> one of the low-down folks I've ever seen in my life. I told y'all God don't like ugly. I told you he didn't. I told you he didn't. But you know what? I was not affected by either one of them. Why? Because I'm dead. I'm dead. What they say has no power, no control, and no influence over me. The reason why stuff bothers you is because you're still alive. You're still alive. And we got to die. We got to die. So, let's look at real. Let, let, now, y'all want to know what a real man and a real woman look like? Here we go. Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10, it says this. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation that was given, that was given me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Now, we would have stopped right there. That's just good enough. But look, watch this right here. Watch this. Watch what Paul said. He said, most gladly will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. We could stop right there and that would be good. But watch this. He said, now, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. When folks talk about me, when I don't have enough, when they're trying to get me in trouble, when I'm distressed for Christ's sake, 
He said, I take pleasure in those things. I'm going to tell you now, when you, when, you, when you get to be big boy, big girl, that's when you're going to say, that don't bother me. Don't bother me. Ain't enough grocery refrigerators. Don't worry about it. God going to come through. They said, what about me? Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray for them now. I ask you to bless their home, bless their family, bless their finances. Have mercy upon them. Bless those that curse you. Do good to those that hate you. Pray for those that despitefully use you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. And rejoice that you account it worthy to suffer Jesus. When they start saying stuff about you, if you take it personal, you're still kicking. That's what real folks, real Christians, that's what we got to grow to. That's what we're trying to go to. That's how we find the will of God. In everything rejoice. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Terry, look at the opposition up there. Those people don't want y'all to have no Black History Day. They don't want it in the school. Rejoice. It's not your fight to fight. People at the post office resist it. They don't want to work. They're giving you headaches. You can't sleep at night. Rejoice. Let God have it. That little girl that came over there in zone five walked up to you too fast and said something she ain't gonna be in the sand and you said little girl you better get out of my face let that little girl go let it go God got it you don't have to fight for yourself we ain't gotta fight for ourselves that neighbor that won't keep that dog I'm over there and every now and then you step out there and you step in that stove and it go take your sign down <laughs> take your sign down take it down it's alright thank you Jesus thank you Jesus help us help us I'm still alive I'm still fighting for my rights. I'm still trying to stand up for what people say against me and do against me. I'm still angry with people that have done things to me. Help me. Help me to die. Most of us are scared of that death. But help us to not be afraid of death, but believe in the resurrecting power of Jesus. I bless you for it. I thank you for it. I praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to subscribe and share with someone you know. And tune in next week for more sermons from Truth and Love Ministries.